Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to the Gas Show and to Writers Blues. My name is Steve Lippman. I am with only Dan Volpone. Dan, how are you? I'm doing good. What we are doing right now, Dan and I are talking on Locker Room. Um, the room is sold out. It's going great so far. We're, we're, as we're doing this, we're going to talk about the, the Pelicans and the Sixers tonight and other Sixers stuff that, that comes up. But we're also multitasking because we're watching our uh, co-host Emily get married. Uh, we're watching the live stream that she shared with us, and and we're uh, we're just keeping an eye on everything. It's a small ceremony, and uh, we will of course uh, keep you posted when when Emily is there. Because if we start crying, that's why. Um, and that's it, Dan. How are you feeling? Emily's about to get married in, in a matter of minutes. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm kind of excited. That's very weird. I think she might be my first friend to get married, which, like, I think sounds kind of crazy, but also I'm only 22. Um, mm-hmm. So this is very, this is very interesting. I'm very happy for her, though. A- extremely uh, happy for her. And uh, so, yeah, you know, as you're listening to this in the podcast version, we'll just give you periodic updates and uh, we'll let you know what's going on. Uh, but in the meantime, the Sixers... Uh, are are happening, and uh, the game that we haven't talked about is that they played the Knicks. We're going to get to the Pelicans game, which is tonight, but they played the Knicks, and uh, Dan, I think you covered the Liberty Ballers' Twitter account, or no, I'm sorry, the Celtics. Listen, yes. I had a bit of a bit of a long lunch, bit of a <laughs> bit of a uh, thirsty lunch. We're going to keep going. Steve's drunk. Uh, yeah, man, it really got away from me. Um, <laughs> we uh, the Sixers played the Celtics, Dan. How did you feel watching that game against the Celtics? Uh, what were your big takeaways from that one? I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. I think that the takeaways were easy, which is like, you know, I guess, you know, we handled the Celtics fine last year in the regular season. We went 3-1, and one, won the first three, lost the last one. But in the playoffs, we didn't have it. And I, I, I'm not going to do the whole thing where it's like, oh, but if Ben had played, it would have been different. I think that, you know, when it came playoff time last year, we, you know, they played, they played up to it and we didn't. Um, and it definitely feels the opposite of that this year. It doesn't feel like this is just a regular season thing, you know, watching these teams, the Sixers pretty clearly feel like the better team, um, by a lot. Um, and it's, it's just awesome. Like, I feel like the Celtics have been killing the Sixers as long as I've been super into the Sixers, you know, growing up. Uh, and I was, 
I never know how to say this word. I think it's pronounced Schadenfreude. Um, I think so. But it's a tough one. But I was just going through Celtics blog. You know, they do great content over there, except I hate the Celtics. So, right. Uh, but, you know, they do very good work. And, and we've had them on the pod before. And just, you know, reading them talk about, you know, which the obvious thing, which is that they can't stop Embiid. But it's just so lovely to hear the Celtics be upset that they can't stop Embiid. Uh, listening to Brad Stevens talk about it. You know, Joel had 35. It was the fewest he scored against them all year. And we swept them in the season series. Uh, yeah. It was awesome. It was just any win over the Celtics is great, but watching Joel be the guy that kills him was a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, quickly, you mentioned about the playoff series last year, and, and people will – I don't think they do this anymore, but at the time at least they would say with the caveat that, like, well, Ben was out, so you never know. But, like, they did have a full season to play, and they were the sixth seed. So it's not like the Sixers were firing on all right. cylinders, and then Simmons got hurt, and they lost to the Celtics. You know, well, I, have I, a... I think last season was cooked, you know, for a long time. Well, absolutely, and, like, this is – like, not to harp on last season, I'm perfectly happy to put it behind me after, you know, how well they're playing now and how horrible last year was to watch. But I want to say it was like the Sixers were the sixth seed, right? And of the top five seeds in the East, the Sixers lost the season series to four of them. They beat the Celtics in the season series. And then they split against the top six in the West, like one and mm-hmm. one. And um, I, then I think they got swept by the Mavs, who were the, I want to say the seven. So, um I think there was like this narrative last year that, that was like, you know, the Sixers were, you know, they were losing the games they should win and they were beating the tough teams. And that's like the counter argument to like, well, let's pay attention to like how the Sixers play against the good teams. But I, I think that, you know, that it just doesn't really bear out with how they actually did. Um, and if you look at, you know, some of the bigger games, you know, we beat the Celtics three times. We beat the Bucks on Christmas Day. And so basically the Christmas Day game and any Celtics game is, are, you know, the games that are memorable. They're the, the games you want to win the most. Yeah. Um, and then the Heat blowout, which was the first game against the Heat, uh, where they had the, you know. The Mike Josh Richardson hit six threes. Yeah. Right. And it was the Mike Scott Hive tailgate. So there were a lot of, like, you know, Sixers Internet people at that game in person. I was there in person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of the memorable games against good teams, the Sixers won. But I don't think it's true that they that they really were just beating up on – the, on the good teams last year, and then all of a sudden in the playoffs, it was like, if only we had been. I think that this was right. something that you could have seen coming. I will, listen, in terms of the live stream, here's where we're at. Uh, Jordy, the groom, he looks excellent, is standing on the altar uh, with his two guys next to him, and then Emily's, uh, I believe, co-maids of honor are, are there, standing there, and they are waiting for the host of the Gastroenteritis Blues to get to the altar. I think that's how they're um, so it. that's that is no no that's that's literally what the uh, I want to say rabbi but it's not going to be a rabbi. What what that <laughs> what that person is going to say is going to say she's not uh, Jewish, dude. <laughs> she's not Jewish. That's that's a real shame. Um, it is. Uh so yeah, anyway, the Sixers Celtics game, uh Joel looked great. You know, against uh Minnesota, it seemed like he was working his way back, but he still shot a million free throws and he ended up shooting 20 free throws against Boston, and they just had absolutely no answer. I mean, they went to Taco Fall. They tried Robert Williams. They tried uh, Mo Wagner even came out there for a few minutes. Um, you know, they, they tried everything on Joel, and they just had no answer. And, you know, Tristan Thompson wasn't playing, but Joel kills him too. I, I just think that the Celtics are not unique in that they are like a many 
matchups around the league that um that that Joel just overwhelms them and he's so oh, smart sure. and and he knows exactly how to get to the free throw line. Joel made 16 of 20 free throws and he was disappointed in himself because he feels like he should be a 90% free throw shooter. Dan, do you have an update? Oh, here comes Emily. Here comes Emily. She's got a light thing on her head, but I don't know what that's called. That is a call in if you know what that is called. What do they call that flowy thing? Um this is so exciting. She looks great. There are Dan, is that a chicken or a rooster? What do you think? I think the one on the left is a chicken and then the other one is something else. I don't know. I don't know my farm animals. I don't know them either, but I love it's really setting the scene and now they're they're at the altar and uh they're going to begin with the marriage part of this ceremony. Anyway, anything <laughs> else from, the whole thing's a wedding. Anything else from the uh from the <laughs> Celtics game? Uh, I'm trying to think of anything. Who was who was the Sixers second best player in the Celtics game? Who were you most impressed by except for Joel in that game? Oh, jeez. Well, I mean, I would have to be Danny Green, right? He was mm-hmm. he was hitting I mean, he's been shooting well all year, but I thought that game especially he was hitting all kinds of tough shots. Um he was early on a big part of why they pulled ahead and, and, you know, they ended up never looking back from that lead when they went on. I want to say it was a, it was a ridiculous run. It was like 21 to two and like yeah, yeah. at one point. Um, and, and Danny Green was a huge part of that. And um, they got off to a slow start. I know some people were a little frustrated with him, but he's been so, so, so good lately. He had 17 points. He was five of six from three. He's just been exactly like if you imagine the player you hoped you were getting in that trade, you know, peak Danny Green. He's been playing beyond that lately. Defensively, I think he's looked better than he did to start the year. Oh, yeah. And shooting wise, he's after a slow start. He's now over 40 percent. He only shot 33 percent from three last year. That was, I think, the bigger concern than the D coming in was like, you know, is he just older and he's not going to shoot as well? Or is he going to be able to bring it back? He's been incredible lately. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, the Sixers' fourth best player sort of uh, changes night to night. I think it just depends on who's hot or, or who's playing a big role. You know, some nights I think it's Shake because Shake will go off and get you 20 points. Or I think eventually once George Hill uh, is ready to play, which I think, you know, he provided that. Um, but that he's still, you know, rehabbing that thumb. Um, it could be George Hill. It could be Seth Curry, of course. Uh, you know, I think the Sixers have a lot of options there, but Danny Green's been great. Anyway, moving on to tonight's game. The Sixers are playing the Pelicans this evening at eight o'clock. How do you feel about this game? I mean, the Pelicans just played the Nets Nets and got killed by them the other night. Uh, we have, uh, Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball are both questionable for the game. So we're unsure of where they'll be at. But of course the big test is Zion. Uh, what do you think? How, you know, the Sixers are on the road. How do you feel about this game overall? Yeah, I'm pretty excited for it. I mean, I, I, you know, earlier this week I picked the Sixers to lose. Um, but that was because, you know, I was, I was guessing, you know, oh, maybe they sit you well on one of the halves of the back-to-back. Maybe right. this one. I definitely didn't think that, you know, Lonzo and um, Brandon Ingram would be questionable. So I think if they're out, it would be a pretty tough game for the Pelicans. Either way, you know, if Joel's in, I feel good about the Sixers. But I'm really interested to see um, – I hope Ben guards Zion. 
Um, and I'm, if, if so, I'm interested to see how that goes. I think that, you know, there's a lot of guys that Ben really dominates defensively. You know, like he, she basically shut down Luca in a way that you don't see anyone do. Uh, and right. he really is, he really is talented. Um, but Zion's weird. You know, like, I don't think Luca's just, he's extremely talented, but I don't think he plays in an extremely unique way. You know, I guess he's not super quick and he's very skilled, but he doesn't do anything that's crazy. And Ben can basically smother him. Whereas, especially athletically, you know, Ben over Luca can really stick with him. And, and Zion is different. I mean, because Zion is, I guess, you know, I never saw Barkley, but he seems, you know, he's that got that short, stocky, fast, strong, jumps high, you know, and, and Ben is athletic, but he doesn't usually guard a player that's going to play as physically as Zion does um, because Zion's just going to run through him and, and Ben's going to have to hold his ground. Ben's going to have to try to block the shot. Ben's taller, Ben's longer. So, I, you know, I, I'm excited to see, you know, how he does on him. There's really not a player like Zion. So Ben hasn't really had a chance to, you know, try to lock in on a player like Zion. And I, I'm excited to see, you know, I'm confident in Ben. Ben is, uh, you know, one of the best defenders in the league, if not the best perimeter defender, um, maybe Thibel. But but I, I'm excited to see how he does on him. I think, you know, he's strong enough, but he doesn't always play super physical. So I think it'll be an interesting test for Ben. Um, but it should just be, I mean, Zion's a ton of fun to watch. And, and he basically gets wherever he wants on the floor just by running through guys, getting to the rim. He Gobert couldn't stop him. So... Right. I see, I'm, I'm excited to see what, what Ben can do with him. You know, the, the only thing that I can think of as similar to playing against Zion, and Zion just gets to the rim at will, and he finishes everything, and his true shooting is great, and, and it's a real challenge. The only thing I can really think of is, is Giannis, who the Sixers have had to play and who, you know, in the past, uh, the Sixers have put a beat on him. Now, Giannis is a little different in that Giannis is a legit probably six what, 11 or 7 feet and right, yeah. 6'10"? He's, he's, uh, he's taller than he's listed and Zion's shorter than he's listed. Right. Zion is probably a real, what, around 6'6 six, six or so, but he's very thick and yeah. very athletic and, exactly. and super strong. Um, but do you think that the Sixers will try and beat on him at any point? I mean, clearly, it's going to be a, a multiple-person job because he gets to the rim so much. So it's going to be on Joel uh, partially you know, when he breaks through that first line of defense. But do you think that there's any chance that they put a center like Embiid on him and just dare him to shoot like they would with Giannis? Or is he too too quick for that? I, I guess, you know, it's a possibility. I don't think they will. Um, I think that it's such a an illogical starting point that they just won't do it in, you know, an, an initial matchup with Zion. Um, but, I mean... And be so much taller than him that it kind of looks ridiculous. And and Zion is definitely. I mean, I know percentage wise, um, you know, Giannis isn't always as bad as he looks. But he, I'm sorry, Giannis just can absolutely cannot shoot. And Zion's shot looks so much better than Giannis's. Um, yeah. And and so for that reason, I don't think you want. You know, you don't want to. F- obviously, you're you you would be content with with Zion taking a three as compared to, you know getting all the way to the rim like he can with, with, with some players. But I think when you have such a talented perimeter defender like Ben Simmons, you know, if I would try him first. I wouldn't put Embiid on there and have to try to draw Embiid out. I mean, Zion doesn't take a lot of threes. He's only taking half a three a game. 
um, I guess he's really taking a three every other game because he's not taking half a three in any game. <laughs> That's a but, good point. Yeah. But he's shooting them at 37.5%. Last year, he shot him at 42.9%. So he's the kind of guy where, he, you know, I don't think – and it's probably smart when you're that good at getting to the rim. I wish Zion – I'm sorry, I wish Giannis shot less. But mm-hmm. when Zion shoots, I have a lot more confidence than it's going in than when, than when Giannis does. And I think for that reason, you don't want to just neglect him out there and you definitely don't want to pull Joel all the way from the basket. So I think, you know, if if he's in and Adams is in at the same time, there's no reason to not have Joel on Adams just to, you know, fight for rebounds and things like that. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, the other thing, there are two things that probably nullify that option for the Sixers. Uh, one, like you just mentioned, is Adams and that he can be a real nuisance on the offensive rebounds and you know, if you put Joel on, on Zion, then who exactly can box out Adams? I mean, Tobias is strong and can do that on some guys like Marcus Sol, but I think Adams is probably a different thing where you'd probably rather have Joel just stick around him and then he can really just stay at the rim because you're not And he went to about Pitt. I, who went to – oh, Adams went to Pitt. Yeah. Do, have you ever seen him around on as like an alumni? No, I don't think he really enjoyed his time here from what I've heard. Well, but that was. And, but you know, here's the thing, though. He joins a great crowd of me and Keith Pompey. So he does. We need to get him on the pod the same way we got Keith on the pod. That's right. Um, so the other thing about this, you know, as you talk about the Joel thing, is that Joel's, you know, what two games back from injury now, uh, and I think they're definitely not eager to like throw him on Zion running around everywhere. So uh, I think it'll definitely be Ben's. You know, if not Ben, this is not a Matisse matchup. You know, Matisse can can really run around on a lot of guys that, that Ben can take, like Beal or uh, Zach Levine. You know, do you think if it's not Ben, it's basically up to Tobias to, you know, when Ben, if ever Ben is sitting and, and Zion's on the court, do you think that it the matchup basically falls to Tobias? Yeah, I, I mean, it definitely, it definitely could. I wouldn't be shocked if they tried Matisse on him. I don't think it's a great idea. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, for the most part though, it's going to have to be a few guys like, um, it's going to need help uh, because yeah. the the only, the only sixer who I have any confidence in sticking with Zion, you know, from the perimeter and, you know, absorbing him, just driving straight into them is Ben, you know, yeah. obviously Matisse is fantastic defensively, but he's not that strong. Um, and so I think if Ben's not out there and Zion is, I guess, first of all, I, I, I would make the point that I would try to make sure Ben's out there when Zion is. Right, but, right. Um, you know, if if Zion's out there without Ben, I think that you could throw a number of guys at him. It could be Tobias. Tobias, I think, is the most logical um, guy to do it. But even, you know, if, you know, Mat- Matisse and Danny Green are basically running at him and, and, and you know, trying to, to swipe at the ball when he starts to drive um, because, you know, both of them are, are – you know, solid at getting their hands in. I think that that's going to be a huge part of it as well. Also, yeah, yeah. very close to being married. I know. So em, just to give you an update, uh, Emily and Jordy are, are at the altar. It looks like there's a ring that is now in play. Um, the uh, the gentleman who is not a rabbi is, is talking and they're talking and lots of talking going on. No smooches yet, but when a smooch happens, we know that it's done. Um, and there will be clapping and... Um, Oh, they're doing the rings. Oh, they're doing the rings right now, folks. They're doing the rings at this very moment. I believe this is Jordy getting his ring on right now. There are photographers everywhere. Um, 
the only thing about Matisse guarding Zion, this is really back and forth. The only thing about Matisse guarding Zion is it really would be the Sixers just daring him to dribble around Matisse. Um, and I think that that's, that's probably an interesting sort of gadget sort of thing to give a shot to if, if Zion's having his way or something. Um, but I think other than that, you know, Zion's just too big to, uh, to, uh, to be guarded by Matisse. I wanted to ask you about Matisse. It seems pretty widely uh, acknowledged that he's an incredible defender and like he's completely consistent this year defensively. You know, it doesn't seem like he gets played off the floor and, and makes dumb fouls or dumb rotations as much as he did last year. Will he be on an all defense team? I don't know. I guess that kind of thing comes down to to minutes in some ways. Um, I think he deserves to be. I mean, I know oh, there's all kinds of advanced metrics that basically show him as the best perimeter defender, if not the best defender in the league. Um, and and we're talking. And I I don't think that you know if you know if the Sixers are are going to have a dog in the fight for defensive player of the year, then I, I I think it should be Ben. Ben's guarding the best player every night. I think you know he's a huge part of the team's defense, but. Matisse is extremely talented, and we've we've talked about this before. But yes, he's 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 been better offensively, especially lately. He's shooting the three better. He looks more comfortable dribbling the dribbling the ball. But defensively, last year he was good. Like you know, he he made a lot of plays, but he like you said, he made some dumb fouls pretty right. often. He he gambled a lot and got beat a lot by good players, and he's not doing that nearly as much this year. Um, to the point where it's not just he's a good young defender or even a great young defender and a good defender. He is now an elite defender in the NBA. Um, I, I think that he is playing enough to, to deserve consideration for being on an all-defense team. I think that I wouldn't be surprised if he picks up more minutes going forward in the rotation. So especially then, I think he belongs on an all-defense team. Um, if he can start, you know, to get up to, you know, even like 25, 30 minutes a game, with, especially if they start cutting the rotation down. Oh, they're married. Oh, my God. We've got wow. Oh, my God. They're married. Oh, my That's God. That's crazy. Good for Emily. Oh, my God. They're married. All because of this podcast. It's unbelievable that we I've heard that. that they wouldn't have gotten married if it wasn't for you and I. I was just reading that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> they're walking. They're walking out. Uh, Emily is smiling. Jordy is smiling. They're swinging their arms. Aww. What a wonderful wonderful thing that couldn't have happened without us wow um <laughs> congratulations to them congrats uh, emily and jordy love you emily this is very exciting and uh now people in the in the crowd and look, hey emily's waving at us wow wow i just i just saw i don't know if we don't have the sound on but i just saw her mouth rate us five stars on apple podcasts <laughs> and stitcher well, that's really nice of her um, congratulations to them. What an unbelievable thing. That was really cool. Um, we were talking about Matisse. Um, I don't know what the voters will do with him because I certainly think that his impact and his talent is worthy of the second team. You know, I, I would be shocked if he was on the first team. Um, but I wonder if they take into account that he's coming off the bench and, by virtue of that, he's not always playing against the starters of the best competition. But I, I think he always holds up, you know, next to uh, next to the to the best players. So I wonder what's going to happen there. Uh, I wrote a piece the other day for uh, Liberty Ballers about uh, basically about Dwight and backup centers and how I'm just really not worried about it. About how that's not something I'm super worried about. Um, I was looking up the stats about the different lineups. Everybody knows that the 
Ben and uh, Matisse and Dwight lineup is terrible. The Ben and Joel and Matisse lineup is unbelievable. Unreal. They are like plus 26. Um, I'm going to pull this up uh, so that I get it right. But they are a, a giant plus uh, with Ben and Matisse and Joel. And I think that just has to do with like Joel's offensive versatility combined with Ben and Matisse on the floor wreaking havoc. And uh, I think it's pretty hard to overcome for other teams. Is that the way you see it? Yeah, I also think there's something to be said about like the comfort Ben and Matisse have when they're together and with Joel. I mean, because that's, you know, three really high-end defenders out there. Um, plus, you know, Joel can cover for guys. So I think it, th- those lineups... And I they're don't have... plus 26. It's only 78 minutes, but they're plus 26. Right. And I mean, and it's only 78 minutes, but I think that, you know, a lot of fans can imagine, you know, um, a lot of plays from these lineups because there's a lot of fast breaks. Um, right. Just imagine them out there together. You know, there's I can't remember a specific play, but I just remember watching them together. And that number doesn't surprise me because I think having Joel back there, having, you know, Ben, I think, has always been really good on ball and has even gotten arguably better. But off ball, I think he's also t- taken, you know, if if not a step forward this year, at least in the last couple of years, has been much more disruptive, just kind of roaming. Um, and and right. Matisse is absolutely the same way. I mean, Matisse played zone in college. Not that he can't play man, but I think that, you know, both of them are can guard both on and off the ball. And so you're having, you know, them getting into passing lanes, not being afraid to get into passing lanes because Joel's back there. And they're so disrupted defensively that it's leading, leading to a lot of easy hoops. Um, that lineup is going to absolutely have to be part of the playoff rotation. And I know that, yeah. that bo- both of us were skeptical about Matisse um, and, and what he could do coming into the season. But he is, I mean, it's, it's, it would be an understatement to say he's proven us wrong. He's been incredible. Um, and he's, I mean, his shot's been a little better, but I don't even think that's the biggest thing. I think just how great he's been defensively compared to how, you know, he was good last year and, and great for a rookie, but he's just so excellent right now. Um, and and th- those lineups are creating easy offense. And I think that's a big part of why they've been so successful. Right. I mean, honestly, I think of that with, with Dwight, too, um, in that uh, offensively he's a very narrow player, you know, as Matisse. And is. hilarious. But for me, and hilarious. The way that Matisse can get steals and blocks and generate runouts on the other end, and the same way that Dwight gets offensive rebounds and gets fouled, and sure, he does some fouling of his own, uh, but I think that's also very valuable to the team's offense. Uh, speaking of, you know, we're talking about sort of net ratings and different matchups with guys together or pairings. Um, somebody named Gordon Mack tweeted at Daryl Morey this, and he retweeted it. Um, this is basically the two-star duos around the league and who has the best net rating. And the Sixers have the best net rating. It's uh, Embiid and Simmons at 15.4. Uh, it's right above Leonard and George, who are at 15.3. And then you get to LeBron and AD at 14.6. And then, uh, you know, so on and so forth down the down the line there. Um, that's pretty remarkable. I mean, I knew that they were playing well together. And, and sort of the cynic in me just sort of says that Joel with anybody is a great lineup because Joel is that good. Uh, but I think there is really something to be said for the two of them on the court playing together and, and knowing how to navigate each other's strengths and weaknesses. Are you surprised to know that, that Embiid and Simmons are that high on this sort of list? 
I guess I would say I'm not surprised just because of how well the Sixers have played this year. Yeah. Um, and, and we've seen them be, be fine together before. Um, I think that, you know, when we talk about potential Simmons trades, which I, I obviously, right, this second is not worth talking about. We're, you know, we, they'll be going into the offseason with him and, and through the playoffs with him. Um, but I still think, you know, Daryl, you know, we know, you know, Keith reported Ben was offered. Um, mm-hmm. And as stars come available, I don't think it's crazy to think that, you know, Ben will, you know, will be thrown around in trade talks. I'm not saying he'll be moved. Um, but for, but for you know, a higher tier star, you know, Ben's an all-star, but I'm talking, you know, a, a Harden slash maybe even, you know, if we're lucky enough, Curry becomes available yeah. type player. Um, but that being said, I don't think that that is reflective of him really being a bad fit with Joel. And we've talked about this before. I think the bigger thing is that, you know, the Sixers kind of lack a guy who can score from three levels and initiate from the perimeter, which is, you know, what you think of when you think of a lot of the stars today. When you think of a lot of contenders today, they're built around that type of player. Um, and Ben just being, the ne- you know, the next best player on the team besides their one true superstar is is basically the, the obvious guy you put in those talks. But there, yeah. there's a lot of ways they're good together. I mean, Ben's a very good passer. Um and after suffering through watching, you know, Josh Richardson trying to throw inbounds pa- – or, I'm sorry, trying to throw um, passes to Joel Embiid, you know – Oh, entry post, passes, yeah. Entry yeah. passes into the post last season, uh, you know, it's really helps you to appreciate – and even JJ, it helps you to appreciate, you know, what what you're getting with Ben and, and, and that he's, you know, able to initiate the offense in, in you know – a, a large capacity, but you know, he's not going to score for himself in the way other guys can, who can also do that. Um, which is why it comes up, but, but there's still a good fit. They're still really important. I think to each other's success, especially Joel to Ben's, but even, you know, to, a, I guess a lesser degree, but not much of a lesser degree, Ben to Joel. I think they, they, you know, as the by far two best players, I guess, you know, our, Tobias has been better this season, but, but over the last few years, by far the Sixers, two best players, they definitely have learned to play together. They've learned to play to each other's strengths and cover each other's weaknesses. Uh, and defensively, they're incredible together. So I, yeah. I, don't, I guess it's not shocking because I think they are, you know, they fit well, um, well enough. If only they had this extra guy is, is mm-hmm. basically I feel. But then again, if they go deep in the playoffs, and we've talked about this, then they're going to build around this core. And I don't think that that would be a mistake. I think that that would be, if they prove, if Ben proves he can be better in the playoffs, and Tobias proves he can be better in the playoffs. And they prove that they can, you know, run an offense through Joel in the playoffs and, and avoid, you know, the difficulties that, you know, even the Raptors showed this year when you just double Joel hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they can overcome all that, then it makes sense that if these three are going to be this good, they're worth another season, you know, to see what they can do. So um, I guess that's a long answer to say. I guess, I'm not shocked because they've been so good this year. And those two guys are a huge part of it. Yeah, you know, a, a couple of things. You talk about their fit, and defensively, uh, you know, what a lot of – this is not uh, breaking news, but a lot of high-level initiators in the league who are stars want to run the pick-and-roll, want to create out of the pick-and-roll, want to get their own shot out of the pick-and-roll. And a lot of times, the person setting that pick is the other team's center, the biggest guy. And when teams try to do that with the Sixers, Ben is guarding the best perimeter player, and Joel is guarding the center. And it's just help for other teams to attack a Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid guarded pick and roll. I think that, you know, the way that they can impact the defense on that end and when they're really locked in, and it seems like 
uh, Mike O'Connor just wrote something for the Rice to Ricky Sanchez website about, you know, the changes that the Sixers have made on the defensive end. And I feel like it, it is really uh, showed, you know, how, how much better they can be and how uh, sort of disruptive those two guys can be. And uh, I think that's very exciting. And, um, you know, it's good to see Ben sort of play the way that he has played. Uh, it, it will really matter in the playoffs. You know, when Daryl came in, I feel like the main thing that he embraced was that you don't need to trade essentially Ben right now. And they don't, you know, they shouldn't feel under the gun. You need to trade Ben right now. You know, if you had a Embiid sort of trade request or, or worry from his camp, or if you, if the team lost 20 in a row, or if the team was not improving, then you feel like you might have to. But for me, it's like, you know, I don't think when you talk about the top stars in the league that Ben should be untouchable um, in any way. But but they certainly don't need to put him on the trade block at, at at any point right now. You know, if they flame out in the postseason, that's sort of another conversation. But right now, Ben has been great. And, and it does seem like their sort of connectivity on offense uh, and just on the court together is, is growing. And I'm happy to see that because that's really what's been leading them to a lot of good play. Um Today, as we're recording this, uh, at midnight is sort of the deadline for when guys who are free agents or, or bought out can sign with the team and be part of the team come the playoffs. Um, what do you think about that? Actually, you know what? We've got a new – never mind. A guy came in here and requested to speak and then left. Okay? Been there. I get it. Um, when you think about that sort of thing, um, you know, buyout guys – are you looking for anything? Do you feel like the Sixers need to add a body? I mean, both of us would certainly like uh, Daryl to be able to replace the uh, Mike Scott minutes. But what do you think about that? Are, are you Do you have your eye on anyone in particular uh, on this last day of potential playoff additions? No, I don't, I don't think the Sixers are going to be big in the buyout market this year. Um, it really seems like, you know, all the big guys are going to go to one of the L.A. teams or they're going to go to Brooklyn. Um, we've kind of seen that already to start with. Um, and I'm fine with it. Um, I don't think the Sixers have any huge holes. I think that, you know, my biggest concern with them is that their second and third best players are, in my view, far worse than the second and third best players in Brooklyn. And, mm-hmm. and that's my concern with them. It's not how the roster is built. You know, I don't think backup center is a huge need like everyone says it is. And I think that George Hill, you know, obviously much more than any buyout guy will addressed as best that the Sixers could um, the issue with, you know, a guy besides Ben who can run the offense. Um, so there's not anything big I'm looking for. I don't think that the Scott minutes, I, I could easily be wrong about this. And we know that Doc can be a little bit stubborn with his lineups in the past. Um, I really hope I'm right when I'm saying, I don't think the Mike Scott minutes will be minutes that exist come playoff time. Um, right. I, I truly hope that, you know, the, the we have our starting five and then we have Shake, George Hill, Matisse, and Dwight. And, you know, those nine playing some combination of the bench minutes, and that's it in the playoffs. Right. So, Maybe uh, like five minutes for Korkmaz if you need a shot, something like that. And that would just be situational. But, right. But, but in terms of the guys you're going to see every game, I, wouldn't, I would hope you're not seeing any more than that. So I'm not super concerned about the buyout market. Um, I don't think we'll see the Sixers do anything, you know, truly exciting. But I think that's fine. I don't, I don't think that. You know, they're, they're not a team like, you know, Brooklyn's super top heavy. Um, and your concern with them was, you know, can they get enough guys? So, the you know, the buyout market's huge for them. Um, 
I think the Sixers are basically the opposite. Whereas, you know, not that the bench is like anything incredible, but they have enough solid bench players that, you know, they have, they have four guys, arguably five coming off the bench that are better than any buyout guy they're going to get. And the concern is really more with the top end guys. that The buyout market is not addressing anyway. Um, I guess, you know, situationally, the one thing you could ask for is, and I, I base, I agree with your take, you know, largely that they don't need to stretch five, but, yeah. uh, but, you know, if they could get a guy for, for nothing on the buyout market who could, you know, in a very specific spot, give you that type of minutes, um, you know, I think that would be, you know, helpful. I, I, oh, but yeah. And I, that's, don't, that's I don't think that what I said. Right. But I, I, but I don't think that that'll I don't that that'll necessarily happen. And I definitely don't think it's a huge deal if it if it. No, and, and really, like for me, I'd, I'd like them to add somebody like that just to get through the rest of the regular season. I mean, you know, assuming that Joel doesn't play every single game, which I think we probably shouldn't, just given right. what and Dwight's going to get injected from like three more. Dwight's going to get tossed, which I love. Um, I I think that it would probably be nice to have another, just any other actual center on the roster, so that they don't have to play Scott and so that they can give a different look. I, I would love that. My I just feel like anybody that we can get at this point will not be effective enough overall to play in the playoffs. You know, that's just, uh, I just don't think so. Uh, we do have a question in the chat here from friend of the podcast, Remy. He said, if there is no acquisition today, can they sign some 10-day contracts or something like that later on, or does it mean the roster can't be updated anymore? My understanding, Dan, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that they can still do 10-day contracts. They can still do that sort of stuff. Those guys, they just can't have anybody else new in the playoffs. But uh, Harrison's I, very good with these rules. If you want to ask him, if he wants Harrison Grimm, yes, of Liberty Ballers, is in the chat or is uh, or is listening in. So Harrison, if you know a little bit more about that, I'd love to have you sort of uh, substantiate or 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 uh, give us some some new information on that. Because, uh, but yeah, my understanding is that they could add a ten day or two along the way but they just couldn't have those guys for the playoffs from here on out. Um, so anyway, we are, we're winding down a little bit here and Harrison, you can let us know if you're, if you want to chime in, we'd be happy to have you. Um, going into this uh, Pelicans game. Uh, is there anybody else that you'd be worried about for the Pelicans uh, as the Sixers get ready to play them tonight? Um, you know, there's of course, Ingram and Lonzo are, are questionable. Uh, Josh Hart, you know, is there anybody else that you think could really be a thorn in the Sixers' side uh, tonight as they try to get a win on the road? Um, well, Hart's Hart's out. Hart's hurt. Um, oh, and okay. then, but but yeah, Lonzo, Lonzo, and Ingram um, are obviously you know they're two next best players. Um, I guess you know you could argue. Or I I still really like Bledsoe a lot. Um, you know, no one worries me. I guess you, you know if someone worries me, it would definitely be be Zion. I think he's incredible um but but no i i don't think that that there's any guy that and, and you know guys get hot because it's the nba and they're all incredible um but there, there's no one i'm looking at ahead of time like you know how are the sixers going to handle them or you know like on on either end of the ball i think that the sixers are you know the sixers have their record for a reason and and the pelicans are are where they are for a reason which is which is not to say that they're not a solid team that's capable of beating the Sixers, but it, it just to say that I, I, I don't, um, I, I don't see anyone as a, as a particular, you know, threat. I don't think that they're, you know, loaded with, with 
you know, extremely good players. I think that Zion is the guy that I'm worried about. Um, and and if if we lose, which I don't really think we will, especially with them having guys who may be out, I think that it's going to be because Zion is extremely hard to guard and he had a great game. And I, I think that, you know, in in this type of game, um, a lot, you know, he's so dominant and so different that if something, you know, if I guess, you know, in the NBA, if you can even call it an upset in, a, in one game when anyone can really win. But if there were that kind of upset to happen, yeah, I think that it's really just going to be. Yeah. Um, you know, looking forward, the Sixers uh, have a scheduled game tomorrow, Saturday night against the Oklahoma City Thunder and not Al Horford, who has been banned from <laughs> playing in Oklahoma City, which is uh, just a sort of wonderful storyline this year. Uh, do you expect Joel to play uh, the back-to-back? Obviously, there's some, you know, variance that might happen if, if they play in overtime tonight and Joe plays 40 minutes. I'm sure they won't have him. But assuming it's a regular game where he plays around 30 minutes, um, would you expect Joel to play tomorrow? Or do you think that probably given, uh, you know, his recent comeback, that they keep him out of this back-to-back? What do you think? I think they play him. Um I guess, you know, my prediction was that he sat out one coming in, but if, if there's no, if there's nothing really happens, I mean, and, and, you know, he got through the Celtics game fine. Um, and, and, you know, as we come in, yes, it's a back-to-back and yes, he sat out the last back-to-back, but I, I don't think they want to, you know, take too much time with him. I don't think that they, you know, they want to ramp him up a little bit, but he does, first of all, he wants to play. He's always wanted right. to play. Um, and Emily's talked a lot about this um, where it's just like, you know, he, he's getting to the point where, you know, you've asked him to get in better shape and he's finally in better shape. You know, he's and he, he's gotten himself to a point where, you know, he can play these back to backs and he's, you know, he's an adult. He's he's 27 years old. And if he says he can play, obviously the team has to be protective of him. But he also is at a point where if there's not a true injury and yes, he's coming back from injury, but he's not necessarily injured anymore that he's going to have to make some of these decisions for himself and he's, he should be allowed to. So I, I think, you know, he's going to want to play and I think that they will let him play because um, in, in the playoffs, there's yes, there's no back to backs, but you know, it's a fight and it's more half court, which means more offense through Joel and Joel's going to be, you know, somewhat worn down and, and they want to build him up to that. They were building him up to that before we, it was, you know, we saw it before he was playing more back to backs than, than he had been. And I, I think that that's going to continue. I, I, think that the first back-to-back was because it was, you know, the very first game after he came back. Yeah. Where it would have to be an initial back-to-back. But I think they want him just back to what he was basically as quickly. Yeah, you know, and Joel has talked in the past about how when he sits for a long period of time, he, he, he has a hard time staying fully in shape when he's not playing basketball, which I get. You know, a lot of NBA players will talk about it, how much you can work out, but it really doesn't compare to playing up and down on the court. So I definitely think that he wants to play, not to mention that I'm sure that it's not lost on him that he's got a shot at this MVP, you know, even if it's an outside shot, but if he makes a great run at it at the end of the year. And I think he, he as he should, wants the first seed. You know, if the Sixers were able to eke out that first seed in the East, then they get to avoid both Milwaukee and the Nets until a potential Eastern Conference final. Of course, you have to get there. Uh, but if, you know, if they're in the second seed, then they would have to play likely uh, the Bucs uh, before then. So we'll see, you know, after the Celtics game, 
this is from Rich Hoffman of The Athletic. Uh, he said that Doc Rivers said about Joel Embiid, walking out, he said, I'm back. And I said, yeah, I noticed. Which just really sounds like something from Fast <laughs> and the Furious, like that Vin Diesel would say to Tyrese. And I, I just really enjoy it. Um, buddy, do you have anything else? The Sixers played the Pelicans. Uh, we both feel pretty good about this one and just hope they get a win and come out healthy. You good? I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I guess, you know, one thing I just want to add is just that, you know, Joel has, you know, like you just said, he's back. Um, and the Celtics game was so much fun, not just because they beat the Celtics, which is always fun not just because they won in Boston, which is always tough to do, no matter how kind of, you know, basically Boston's kind of having a pathetic season, which is awesome, and I love it. But it's still a great win to win in Boston. But on top of that, Joel being back, and I don't just mean playing, but like just dominating and giving our biggest rival fits was so amazing to watch. Um, And I, I missed him terribly while he was gone. I missed, you know, getting to watch him almost every other night. Um, and I'm I'm so excited that he's back now. Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm just like, I obviously I get excited for most games, but especially games when Joel's playing. So, you know, just really excited for tonight in, in that regard on top of the, you know, Joel being back, which I'm still in the process of appreciating. Plus, you know, hopefully Ben guarding Zion, which should be a ton of fun. It should be a really yeah. fun game. Yeah. I mean, you know, we were texting about this, but it doesn't matter what the Celtics record is. Beating the Celtics will always be especially satisfying. Absolutely. Um, And and thrilled that Joel is back and healthy. And most of all, thrilled for our buddy, Emily, who is now a married woman. Uh, So, yeah, we send all of our love and, and happiness to them. And we hope that they have a great weekend. Dan and I. We'll be back with you on uh, – hang on. We have one last question. David Rose here in the chat. Dan, do you have, you have time for a buzzer beater here? Yeah, real quick. So um, basically the only update we have is um, that, that he has said that he will definitely be back before the playoffs. So David, David no asked time. about any insights when uh, George oh, Hill will make the his question? debut. Nope, That's on nope me. not yet. That's on me. Um, <laughs> Sorry, um, I'm just enjoying my Friday with some white claws. But you're good. Yes, um, it's a good question. Um, right now, you know, they had a press conference the other day. Um, uh, I know Tom West got some good quotes from it from Liberty Ballers, um, and basically Hill and Doc both talked. Um, and the main takeaway is there's really no timetable on Hill, but Hill says he'll definitely back, be back before the playoffs. Which you know, for anyone who's been following the the Sixers medical. <laughs> I guess, you know, record over the last few years, that is extremely not reassuring that, that we don't have a time and that, you know, oh, it'll be, it'll be in, you know, definitely by a month or so. Um, I didn't love hearing that. Uh, I'm not going to panic about it. The team's still been really good and I'm excited to see Hill. But for now, we definitely don't know when he will make his debut and we don't know when we even will know. They didn't even give us like a, he'll be reevaluated in a week. He'll be reevaluated in two weeks. We're just kind of waiting at this point. Yeah, I mean, uh, Hill sort of uh, hinted at that the last four or five days have been very good and ramping right. up in his activity. And there are videos, friend of the podcast, Keith Pompey, has a few Zapruder films of him shooting on the court, which is good to see. And uh, I, I feel like we'll just wait and see. But from everything that we're reading, he'll certainly be ready for the playoffs and should have a few games under his belt before that. But it's always the Sixers, so you never know. Um Congratulations, Emily and Jordy. Thank you guys for listening in here on Locker Room. 
Um, we are going to be back with you, just Dan and I, solo uh, or duo, who cares? On Sunday, that, that episode will be out Monday morning. We thank you guys for Emily's listening. Emily's not going to be on that one? I don't think so, buddy. I think she's in marital bliss. She won't be around. Oh, good for her. She does Good for her is right. Um, all right, so I'll talk to you on Sunday, and that episode will be out Monday. Thank you guys for listening and right. hanging out. Thanks, guys. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Congrats, Emily. Love you. See you.